welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. That means we're going to go. Good morning, friends. How are you? My name's Dan. It's good to, uh, to be with you. Just out of curiosity, how many people made it to midnight? Go ahead. Yeah, this was the first year I made it to midnight in maybe five or six years. And I was kind of underwhelmed. I was like, what's the big deal about this whole midnight thing? Especially because, uh, I don't remember which channel we were watching, but they showed New York live. So like at 11, I was like, well, I guess I can go to bed now because if it happened in New York, I don't need to worry about it uh, anymore. I spent a, a glorious night last night. I was painting uh, my stairs, which was maybe the secret to how I got there. And as I was painting my stairs, I was uh, doing a little catch-up on a little show called Sherlock. Any Sherlock people? You know what tonight is, right? <laughs> Season four. First, uh, so I was getting caught up, and, and there was a Christmas miracle. My kids got into Sherlock. So we spent, uh, you know, basically the next two and a half, three hours, four hours, it was a long time, uh, getting them caught up, the, the, um, the jumping up and down and the crazy motions and the loud noise my daughter was making when they finally do the Moriarty reveal. She thought it was John. If you don't know what I'm talking about, never mind. But she's jumping up and down. She's acting crazy. It was perfect. So tonight I'm excited that we get to, uh, we get to watch it together. It's a Christmas miracle. And I know Andy, where's Andy? Where'd he go? Andy said Christmas is past, but folks, there are 12 days of Christmas. This is day eight, all right? So we've got till January 5th, so Merry Christmas. I get to say that for a few more days. Um, and I got a, there was something else that happened to me this week. I got a picture I want to, if it'll cooperate. That's uh, one of my kids driving my car. Um, she got her permit this week. <laughs> I like to talk about prayer a lot. When you get to know me, as you get to know me, you'll know that. But I've been praying like nobody's business, sitting in that passenger seat. Uh, and the funny thing is, uh, most people who, you know, see this and know this and catch on to this, they usually make some sort of comment about, she's probably a better driver than you are. My car is uh, held together with bolts and brackets because I rear-ended somebody and they wanted three grand to fix a car with a couple hundred thousand miles. Not going to happen. So... That, uh, that was part of, my, part of my week getting here, and it's a perfect kind of segue into what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about prayer uh, this morning, and there's a couple things that I just want to like open up with as we talk about prayer. The truth is that most of us aren't any good at it. If you talk to most people who follow Jesus, most people will say, yes, I think that prayer is an important thing. And then when you ask the next question, so how does it, how does it work in your life? Do you, you know, eh. When they're honest, most people uh, w- would say that, that prayer is a difficult task for them. It's something difficult that they do. And the church doesn't really uh, help out a whole lot. We don't really teach people how to pray. We don't tell them what the expectations are. We do it when we gather together like we did this morning, and we model it, but we never really take any time to step into it and say, Here's how prayer could work. Here's how prayer should work. Are there right things to pray about? Are there wrong things to pray about? Do I have to begin every prayer with, dear God, do I need to end it with an amen? If I don't do those things, does God still listen? 
And then probably my favorite question about prayer is, what's the point? What is it? And what's it for? Are we just telling God stuff that God already knows? Are we, if we don't pray, will things that could, should, hopefully happen not happen? What, what is prayer all about? And there's a bunch of things that, that we could say about it, but what we want to hear this morning is we want to hear what God has to say to us about it. Um, so here's what, what, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to tell you four stories from Scripture. I'm going to pull out just kind of four things where, where prayer is part of the story. And these will be kind of just four points to check in for us to figure out a little more what prayer is. And then I want to give you a, a working definition uh, for it. All right, so what I'd like you to do first, though, is I invite you to stand up, and we're going to read together uh, from the Gospel of Luke. From Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come and I have nothing to set before him. The one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give the bread because he is a friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray. Abba, we come to you this morning in the name of your son, Jesus. And we want to learn how to be people who pray. So send your spirit to whisper to our hearts. And let us make the question that the disciples asked our question. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. All right, you can go ahead and grab a seat. About 1400 BC, the uh, Israelites found themselves having left Egypt and in the middle of a wilderness. And the wilderness wasn't just the geography of where they were. It was a wilderness of identity. 
They were learning who they were. They were discovering what it, what it meant again to be God's people in God's world. And so one of the first things that, that happened uh, in this forming of an identity is Moses, the, the man who was leading this, he gave the people a prayer. And the prayer is called the Shema. And it's a prayer that to this day is still said by Jews. It's a prayer that has, has formed their identity for thousands of generations. It's a prayer that formed one of the biggest statements that Jesus makes in the gospel. When he was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And what's interesting about this prayer is when we think about prayer, when we talk about it, when we practice it, it usually is we're telling God stuff about down here. What's going on in my life? What's going on in my friend's life? What's going on in my community? We're telling God stuff about us. That's how we normally practice prayer. We, we sang it this morning. We did it this morning. That is normal. But the first prayer that is given to a community is not a prayer about us to God. It's a prayer to us about God. I know it's early. I know it's a new year. I know it's cold. So let's just make sure that, that we get that, right? It's, we're not, the first prayer that God's people are taught is not hey God, here's a list of things about us that we need or that we want or that we see or we just want to tell you so you know. That's not the first prayer. And those things are good. Those aren't bad. We should do that. That is part of what it means to be a person who prays. But the first prayer is a prayer that is said to people, to us, about God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The first prayer is about God to us. And that identity, that place of beginning, prayer is a place that we come to and we remember who we are, whose we are, what story we're actually living in. What happens if we pray and we forget who we are? We end up praying about stuff we need that we don't really need or want or tell God stuff that he already knows. That's good. But when we remember who we are, we begin to pray like we're taught in Scripture. That's the first. The second is, uh, so about a thousand years after the, the Israelites uh, left Egypt, left slavery, guess where they ended up again? enslaved again, or in exile this time. This time they weren't slaves, but they were assumed into a larger culture. And while they were in, uh, in captivity, this was a, this was a period of, of grief, of lament, of mourning. They didn't want to be there. It would be like being in timeout. Because we got some kids in here. You know what timeouts right? like, right? Yeah, exactly. So this was like a big communal timeout. It's a loss of identity. It's forgetting who you are. And there's a psalm that they, well, I'm just going to read it. 
By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for a song. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is he who repays you for what you have done to us. He who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. This is in the Psalms. That's there, right? Like, so what, does, does that mean when people do bad things to us that I should seek revenge? Is the Psalm teaching us that when I end up in some sort of exile, a time out, when something doesn't happen the way I want it to happen or go well with me, that I should pay back, I should wish bad things for the children of my enemies? Right, it's one thing to wish something bad about your enemies, but you've hit like a new low when you want their cute, huggable, lovable children to be dashed against the rocks. The psalmist isn't showing us that revenge is good. He's painting a picture about what is to be brought before God. Our grief our frustration, our anger, even our murderous thoughts about the innocent. Even that far, all of those things have their place before our God in prayer. The Psalms teach us that everything belongs. There's a, uh, one of the early church fathers, a guy named Athanasius, he uh, was writing a letter to a guy, and he was talking about prayer and talking about the Psalms, and he says, most scriptures speak to us, the Psalms speak for us. The Psalms teach us that we can be honest before God, even in the worst circumstances, even when we're not at our best. There once was a young man named Samuel Samuel was born to a mother who um, had been barren for years, and um, her name was Hannah, and Hannah was one of two wives, uh, and one of the wives, uh, her, her sister wife or whatever you want to call it, she got to have the babies, and Hannah was barren. And so Hannah longed to see that fixed, right? She wanted to be a mom. She wanted to, to, to bring new life into the world. And so one day, uh, things got, she had enough. And so she made her way to the temple, and she made such, just, just a mess of herself there. She was weeping, she was mourning, she was loud, that the priest in the temple thought she was drunk. They thought, okay, well, this lady got into the, you know, the communion wine, and now she's making a scene here, and this is really awkward, because... <laughs> What do you do with people like that in church, right? So he's like, you need to leave because that's not what we do here. Hannah says, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not drunk, I'm sober, that's not that. This is, I am, I am grief-stricken, I am broken, I'm longing. Hannah goes home. 
And pretty soon after, she finds out that she is pregnant. And she commits her son Samuel. She gives Samuel to the Lord. She says, what you gave me, I give back to you. And so she brings her son Samuel to the church, to the temple, to, to, to stay there uh, after he was old enough. And so one night, Samuel is sleeping. I have no idea where he would sleep. Maybe he'd sleep in the balcony. I don't know, uh, you know how that translates to us. Maybe it's in the nursery. Uh, but Samuel is sleeping, and he hears a voice. That's always a good sign. Samuel, Samuel. So he gets up, and he thinks, well, it's just me and the priest Eli here. So I'm going to go, uh, you know, see what he wants. So Samuel goes, and he knocks on the door. And Eli says, yeah, what is it? He says, you sent for me. You called me. And Eli says, I did not call you. Go back to bed. Go back to bed. So Samuel goes back to bed. He lays down, and no sooner does his head hit the pillow, than what does he hear? He hears voices again. Samuel, Samuel. So he gets up. And this time, Eli hears him coming before he gets there because, of course, when your kids wake you up, you don't get back to sleep right away. And he hears the floorboard creak, and just as Samuel raises to knock, Eli goes, what do you want, Samuel? Samuel goes, you called for me. Eli says, no, I didn't. Please go back to bed. I'm tired. So Samuel goes back to bed. He lays his head down in the pillow, and what happens? Samuel. Samuel, at this point, the kid's got to be thinking he's nuts. So he gets up, and he makes his way. And you know Eli's got the pillow over his head. And he's like, just go away. Why did I take you? Why didn't I tell your mom, keep you? I knew she was trouble when she showed up the first time. And so Samuel knocks, and he says, you called, master. And then it clicks for Eli. Oh. He's hearing the voice of God speak to him. So Eli says, Samuel, go back to bed, and the next time you hear the voice, the next time I want you to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Samuel goes back to bed. His head hits the pillow. Samuel, Samuel. This time he does not make, he doesn't move. He says, what he was told to say, which is, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then God begins to tell Samuel all that he has planned to bring about his redemption and his restoration in and through his people. Prayer is listening. And there's something interesting about this story that I think I think we can gloss over. What would have happened if there was no Eli? Who would have told Samuel, that's the voice of the Lord? What happens in our communities when we aren't people that know how to listen to God? Who teaches our children how to listen? Prayer is listening. And prayer is listening in community. We need each other. The, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, four of, in four of the letters he wrote to the churches that he was pastoring and planting and starting and, and, and caring for from a distance, 
uh, in four of them, he, he basically ends the letter by saying, pray without ceasing. He tells them to continue praying, to be constant in prayer, to persevere, to be endless in prayer. Which is, if we go all the way back to the, to the Shema, is actually part of it. Because after the beginning that, that you know, we know, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Moses goes on to tell them to, by the way, put all the commandments, the words of the Lord, put them on your wrists, put them on your houses, put them on your fence posts, put them everywhere that you can see them. So when, that, when you leave your home to go do your work, you remember who you are so that you pray without ceasing. And that when you come home, you see them again before you enter in. So when you enter into your home, you have remembered who you are. And so Paul instructs, he guides, he teaches the communities that he's pastoring to pray without ceasing, to be constant, to be enduring in prayer. He's carrying on what Moses, the tradition that Moses started. And there's this little, uh, this little, I don't know if we call it a pamphlet or what, but it's called the Didache. And it's the oldest um, Christian community document that we have. And um, it's basically an instruction on manual for how to follow Jesus. Um, so for how to be a Christian. And one of the things that it talks about here uh, in it is it talks about prayer. It talks about fasting. And so when someone would say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, they would kind of get brought through this teaching, the Didache in their community. And um, when new people would come to learn how to follow Jesus, they would learn how to be taught how to pray. Uh, all they were given was pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. That was it. They didn't have options. It wasn't like, well, if you don't feel the Lord's Prayer, if you're not feeling that, then uh, you should try Psalm 23. Or you're not feeling that. How about there's this little thing called our daily bread. You can get it in your email inbox. That, see if that works for you. Or maybe that doesn't work for you. Maybe you want to try my utmost for his highest. Maybe you could do that. Or maybe you could do a, a read through the Bible in 365 days. They didn't offer them options. They told them to pray the prayer that Jesus taught. Which, just a side note, the disciples usually didn't ask good questions. And when they asked a question, Jesus usually answered with a question. This is like the one, one of the, the few moments where Jesus gives them a straight answer. How do we pray? Great question. I'll tell you how. So the church carried this on and they told them, pray three times. Morning, noon, and bedtime. To be constant to be enduring, to continue in prayer. A couple months ago, I was studying with uh, Rabbi Allen. You guys, who's got to study with Rabbi Allen? Let me just, all right, so, out of all of the people that I have kind of connected with and I've learned from in my life, he has made the scriptures come alive to me more than anyone else. And so, one of these, I had a day-long study, it was, it was so great, and there was one of these breaks where you know, you talk about the Bible for like an hour and it just time flies and I got up and, um, and we were doing like a bathroom snack break and so he was over by the chips, by the Cheez-Its and I was like, oh, this is my moment. So I like walk over and, and at this point it almost turns into like a cosplay moment, right? I'm like, I'm about to say, hey, Rabbi, I have a question. I'm like one of the disciples. This is super cool. So I like, you know, grab his robe and I'm like, hey, Rabbi, I have a question. He says, yes. 
I said, when, when you look at Scripture, when, when, you know, does Scripture ever give us a definition for prayer? And he tilts his head, and then he finds, like, that point in the corner of the room where I think God is sitting. That's what, I don't know, you know, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, hmm. He sits, and he thinks, and he says, you know, I think you should turn to Isaiah 58. Go study Isaiah 58. And um, this is the moment in which I become just like the disciples. I'm about to make a fool of myself. And I said, oh, no, 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 Rabbi, I know Isaiah 58. It's where God says true fasting, true prayer means that I care for the, you know, the, 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 the hurt, the, the lonely, the, that I make sure justice is happening. I know, yes, I got that one down. Um, but I'm looking for, like, you know, prayer is communication with God. Prayer is fill in the blank. You know, I want, like, ten words. I want to stick it on a bumper sticker. Not really, but, and he just looks at me like, he doesn't ever really look at you like you're an idiot, but all you feel like is, I'm an idiot. You know what I'm talking about? It's the same look my wife knows how to give me. And, um, and he says, what is the definition of, thing, of a thing other than what it does? I'd like brain matter, like all over the place. If prayer does not... Make me like Jesus. Was it prayer? So you're saying that the definition of prayer is becoming like God? Having his heart? Being more like Jesus? He doesn't give me an answer, right? He just looks at me and he smiles. And I can't tell you how frustrated I was in that moment, mostly because I looked like a buffoon, uh, which is usually ongoing for me, um, but it just, it was one of these moments where I knew he was right, and I knew I had missed it, and I'm like, I've like studied prayer for 15, 20 years, for forever, and how have I not, how have I not gotten this? Like, why am I 36, and you just made my head explode? Like, what, what am I doing wrong? Friends, prayer is not a question to be answered. It is a mystery to wonder at. If we were to give a, a, a definition, a, a nice definition for what prayer is, one of two things would happen. It would either be too broad to mean anything at all. Right? Prayer is this massive abstract concept where we connect with God. What the frick does that mean? I don't know. Or prayer is the daily habit you have in the morning and at noon and at night. That doesn't work either because it's got to be more than that. And so as we try to understand and grow and discern what it means to be people who pray, I think we need these stories, we need these points of reference to go, well, there's prayers listening and prayers remembering who I am, prayers being honest about it. Prayer is something that I can do while I'm cooking and cleaning and dealing with children who aren't being nice and kind and, you know, mellow. I'm totally cool. Like, I'm not, I'm not like pointing fingers. That was, right? But it's something that we can do all the time. We don't need to get rid of distractions to be people who pray, to be people who encounter God. That doesn't have to be what it is. So I want to offer 
two just starting places to think about prayer. The first is prayer is that which makes us more like Abba. Prayer is the, is the thing we do that makes us more like Jesus. That's Anything that does that is prayer. That prayer is simply the space which we knowingly occupy fully aware of who we are, where we are, and what we're here for. One other quick thing. Uh, my wife, so I, I have like a, uh, I'm a pretty, I've got a, I've got a prayer habit that I do. I do. I do the morning and the evening, and if days go well, I do a middle of the day thing. Um, doesn't always happen, whatever. My wife is kind of the exact opposite. She does have a routine that she follows, but um, w- one of the things that's happened as, as I've talked about what I do, the habit that I have with her, I've accidentally heaped shame on her. You know what I mean? Like, well, I have a better regimen than you do, and I don't think that, but it just kind of comes out in, in how I talk about it and, and my passion for it. And one of the things that I've, I have to remind myself and I, remind, I tell her is um, you probably pray way, way more than you think you do. You're probably praying way more often than you think. And it isn't just about having good habits and those things are important. But there's also this way in which we need to recognize that prayer is something that we can just, it can be a way that we live our lives. And so I want to end with the question the disciples asked. Lord, would you teach us? Would you teach us how to pray? Would you teach us to be people who, who recognize and remember who we are? That we listen, that we bring who we are before you. That we find a, a way to live our lives occupying space with you, remembering that you're with us. We're going to take just a, a moment right now. And I want to invite you to a, just a moment of silence. A time to just take a deep breath and listen. See if there's something that God wants to whisper to you. Maybe it's something you already know. You've been pushing away. And you hear him calling to you, saying your name, like Samuel. Samuel. Maybe there's something you just need to let go of and be honest about before him. Maybe you forgot who you are, whose you are. Let's take a moment and Take a breath and be still and be quiet before him. Lord, would you teach us to pray? Friends, as we close this morning, uh, if you need prayer for anything, if you want someone to just spend some time praying with you, maybe things are too heavy for you to carry alone, or maybe you just want to pray with someone else, One of the things in how Jesus teaches us to pray is he teaches us that 
as we pray, we pray as an hour. We pray as a community. We pray together. So if, if you want to pray with somebody you, at all after, we do have our prayer area just over here uh, to my right. You can go over there and, and uh, someone's available to pray with you and talk with you and uh, just help you carry or just join their voice, their heart with yours. Let me invite you to stand as we close uh, with a benediction, a blessing. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious, good to you. The Lord lift his countenance up to you and give you his peace. Grace and peace, friends. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.